Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. And we'll start there tonight. Let's go ahead and stand in honor of the Word of God. We'll read two verses. This verse, I would, I would say to you, I, I don't completely understand. But I'm going to bring a, a, a secondary application to what I think could mean. And uh, there's enough primary application of Scripture that will make sense of what I'm about to say tonight. And the thought I want to bring to us is do your best. Do your best. We're not in competition with one another necessarily, but we are to provoke one another. And so our life and the decisions we make and the actions that we do uh, do affect other people around us. And so we have to be mindful of that. But at the same time, I'm not going against you. I got a race I have to run. And you have to have a race that you have to run. And I can't win the race for you because I have my race to win for me. And so if I am out of the race, then I lose that race. And so all of us lose that race. And so you have to be mindful of the importance of your individuality here that God gives us. He's very personal. And he made you the way you are. Nobody has the same fingerprints. And there's that level of truth. But at the same time, There is that level of community, and we are part of a community here. And so we have, corporately a responsibility to run a race together and help each other. But individually, we are also responsible. So mind those two truths as we're talking about doing your best. All right, let's go ahead and read Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse number 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, Do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. And so we know that verse, very familiar to us, verse 11 now. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Now, naturally, humanly, if we look at it logically, and if we look at stats and statistics, we find that normally somebody that is fast is going to be swift. Somebody that's strong is going to possess strength, correct? And so that's what he's saying here. And it goes on with different uh, aspects of people being wise and people being rich and people of understanding, And then here's another one, nor yet favor to man of skill. And here's the phrase that baffles me and I don't completely understand, but I'm going to make a secondary application today. And I'm not going to be dogmatic, but I'm going to bring something I feel that will help us. But time and chance happen it to them all. And so let us pray. Lord, help me tonight. As I bring forth the message, Lord, I'm very humbled to know that my knowledge, Lord, is not where it needs to be. Lord, I'm a mere man, and there's some things, Lord, looking at your principles that uh, I'm I'm still trying to find the, the answer. Lord, I pray help us tonight, Lord, as we look at this principle of doing our best and how to appropriate that truth and how to really understand that truth by your help, Holy Ghost, give us understanding hearts. And then help us, Lord, to execute and perform 
Lord, what we should do. Lord, you gave us all the tools we need. There is no excuse for us to do our best. You gave us everything we need to be able to accomplish what you want us to do individually and as a corporate group. And so help us in understanding it tonight. Help me as I teach and preach in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. When we think of chance in the English language today, we think of things that happen that maybe is without control. It's just chance that that happened. And I'm very, very leery of that because I'm a Christian. And there's an overwhelming principle in Scripture that teaches me that my God is in the details. So maybe I could say this, and, and let, me, let me just express to you how I think, and it might not be all there yet. Uh, and I tell you, this is exactly what this verse say to you. There's verses like that in Scripture, and this is one of them. But uh, the Lord brought something to me. Uh, I've heard another man preach on this message, and uh, I've looked at it and waited and looked at it and heard another uh, man bring a message out of here and reading it, looking at commentaries and all of that. And I don't pretend to let you know that I'm, I made up my mind. But, but, uh, but my God is a sovereign God, and he's in control. There's nothing that ever occurred that to God the first time ever happened to him. Whoa, I, I didn't realize that. And, 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 and it is so overwhelming truth of that in Scripture. There's so many, so many principles in Scripture that tell us that God knows that that has to be first and foremost. I have to go to that principle and believe that. All right? God knows what's happening in our individual life, in our group life, uh, in, in the sense of corporate as a church. He's paying attention. He knows the history of the church. He knows who's been a member here, who's not a member no more, who's gone, who's here. He's paying attention to all of that. And so in your life, he's paying attention to your individual life. And, and he's a part of it. He shows that in scripture. He wants us to have a daily walk with him. He wants to reveal some of his, uh, he wants to reveal to you his will for your specific life. And if God has things in order such as the comics and the universe and our Milky Way and our galaxy, and things are precisely at the right angle and where the distance we have from the sun as, as an earth and the tilt, all of those matter to God, I would have to strongly say that nothing is perchance to my God. It doesn't happen by chance. He knows what's going on, right? That's why I'm trying to bring this. Why is this verse here in Scripture? Now, I realize when you look at the Ecclesiastes, the writing and the point of view of the writing is everything under the sun. It is a, not a humanistic point of view, but this is very much looking at human life itself, almost to the point of God being not really the main focus until Ecclesiastes 12, when the writer finally says, hey, I finally found out what's wrong. God has to be feared, right? At the very end, the very famous verse that, uh, let's look at it there in Ecclesiastes. And it says, uh, I'm in Song Solomon. That's for a later session. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 in verse number 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. 
and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And he, he brings it all in to the fact that uh, with our perspective as men, we're very limited. But with God, he does the impossible. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out and looking at this verse that we're reading here in Ecclesiastes 9. What does it mean that time and chance happen to them all? Because the, the idea here is God is very clear in teaching us that we should not settle to being the way we are. He wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of his dear son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to mature. He wants us to come into perfection and maturity, right, in love. He wants our love to mature. He wants all of those things in our life as a Christian. It started with salvation. We have no access to this life and his divine nature without salvation. And then he provided the catalyst and the grace that is needed for us to even have the opportunity to experience life on the victory end of it. So as a Christian, you're very privileged today. Guess what? You can live a life so different and so victorious that the world has no clue of. And so it is very, very important, Christian, that if you're living your life defeated... Not that it's shaming our God, not necessarily, but something is wrong. You're not applying the truth of Scripture in your life because uh, the Bible tells us that we should have all the knowledge and understanding and wisdom that the world might be ignorant of it because they don't know God yet. And that's what our job is, to go tell them. Very clear message this morning, I believe. It was very challenging, very convicting. Have you told anybody about Jesus lately? Wow. Have you told them? Anybody this last year? And I did, but I could do more. I'm sure all of us could do more. And so that's why we do that. But then upon salvation, God starts the work in our life to perfect us. So in perfecting us, he comes to these things, and one of them is diligence and uh, fervency and basically work ethic. In the Christian spiritual sense of the word. We have to work as a Christian. We have things to do that God wants us to accomplish. He's got a mission. He's got a purpose. He's got, a, he's got things for us to do. And so we find here in verse number 10, he says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. And then he gives us a point here that is going to be helpful to us, because this is sometimes what we do. Well, I'm not good at it, therefore I am excused from doing that activity because I'm not good at it. Well, that's why he gave us this clear principle here. Guys, he's saying this. It's not necessarily that your talent will get the job done. Although it's nice to have talents and you know how to sing maybe or you know how to speak. You have a good way of uh, expressing uh, your thoughts and uh, <laughs> Uh, in writing, I, 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 I envy those that could write. I can't write for, for my life. Uh, I, I'm glad I married an English teacher. She can write for me and make me sound good, right? But, but uh, there's other talents I wish I had. There's other things, abilities that some of you that I see have and I don't. And I could just sit there and say, well, I don't have to do it because, you know, I don't have it. Well, God says here, It's not necessarily in the talent that lies us doing our best. I return and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, 
Remember the turtle and the hare? That is real, an allegory, but it's real in life. You see that a lot. The most talented person seems like they fizzle out and they don't do nothing. And somebody that may be ordinary become extraordinary by just doing ordinary things well all the time. And so you see some of this. And it's saying here that the battle is not necessarily to the strong. And, uh, and, and other comparison about wise and those men of understanding and riches and so forth and favor and skill. And you find that here. And then it comes to that verse. But time and chance happen to them all. And here's my secondary application of that. I don't, I don't pretend to know exactly what that's saying. But, 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 but what I think, this is my personal opinion on this, is that God says, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do your best. I'm going to give you time, and I'm going to give you a chance. All of us, time and chance happen to us all. Now, some of you have more time. You've lived longer. We know now definitely you have more, you had more time than me. I'm only going to be 39 here next, year, next month. Some of you are triple my age. Anybody that? No, nobody's that. All right, I was, I was making sure you're awake. Maybe double that. Anybody double my age? Anybody want to admit that? Double my age? All right, Miss Barb. Wow. Cut it off the stream. Nobody needs to know that. Right? And so, completely, completely, very, very, very factually, she has had more time than me on earth. And some of you are younger than me right now. But we don't know. I mean, tomorrow I could, I could, I could lose my life. Right? And so we don't know any of those things. God, God holds those in his hands. But, but time happens to us all. We're given time, and it's sad, you know, abortion is so sad for one reason, is the fact that those babies never had the time and never had the chance to do their best in potential. All of us have potential, and God wants us to reach our individual potential, and corporately, as a group, I believe this. There's a reason why the people you're around in this church are the people you're around. I think God is involved in that that he placed us here, that I got to know Pastor Cole, I got to know Pastor Sad, I got to know Frank, I got to know all of your names here. I think there's a reason for that. All right? I think God knows all of that in his sovereign will. But time and chance happen to us all, and i like to make the secondary application, if I may. You have been given time and opportunity to possibly reach your potential. That God designed. And I'm asking you today, don't squander it. Do your best. Because it's not guaranteed just because you're talented and you got charisma and you got the wit that you're going to make it and you're going to do good spiritually. Because God is gracious to give anybody the chance that would work hard and work the scripture and work with Jesus and work with the Holy Ghost to get us from being ordinary to something extraordinary. Have you read a lot of biographies? I have. And when you read Fanny Crosby, they're ordinary people. When you read men from the Bible, it's, it's hard for us not to take them out of that heroism that they are. And Paul is like, whoa, what a, what a, what a man. 
But if you if you if you are able to take uh, and not read the entire uh, <laughs> the entire uh, account of him, and you just know a little bit of maybe what's happening, you would re- realize that he was just a normal man like you. The only one that made him extraordinary is that he was willing and he wanted to work hard. And he knew that God gave him time and God gave him chance. He had opportunity and he took it and he took it and he took it. There was nothing special about Paul, although he did say he was a smart man. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I think he's got some credential, but he didn't magnify those things. He said, I was given, uh, I was given a ministry. And he said, I'm going to run the race that is set before me. And I'm going to finish my course. And so I think that's, that's the way I'm going to look at this verse and may help us as we read it at times. That God says, I want you to do your very best. Because time is slipping. Under the earth, under this earth, death is a reality. It will happen to all of us. And before the rapture comes all of us before it comes and our time is expired we will die we will die the physical death and we will die we'll be buried and the bible talks about it here in the grave that's where we find ourselves praise the lord for those that are saved in first Thessalonians 4 as the trumpet sound we'll be the one to rise up first hallelujah praise be the lord and you find in verse 10 here there's four things and i want to make a point out of them and try to alliter- uh, alliterate them and you find here that God says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And you find that it refers to the life on earth. And what you find on earth is this. Because it says, when you go to the grave, this will no longer exist. And number one, you find work. Number two, you'll find device. Number three, you'll find knowledge. And number four, you'll find wisdom. And so today I want to use those points and alliterate them with the letter P here and make it that you, you do your best and God has given you time and chance to live on earth that we would do and we will take a hold of the rain and we will say, we'll go with it with God because you told us, uh, you gave us this opportunity. We'll take, we'll take off with it, Lord. We'll do our best. And we'll do our best at the work you're going to give us, the device, uh, the planning of things, the coming up of things to make things work, knowledge and wisdom. And so that's what I believe, verse 11, in the latter part it says, but, but time and chance happen to them all. So all of us have experienced life, you're alive right now, you've been given that. What are you doing with the time that God has given you? And what are you doing with the chance, the opportunity he's got you? Because all of us have an opportunity. All of us have an opportunity. We have a saying in the Philippines, Habang may buhay, may pagasa. Man, I said that like an English person. You hear that? You hear my accent got messed up. Habang may buhay, may pagasa. That's how you're supposed to say it. And that means while you're alive, there's always hope. You can do your best and you can reach your potential. All right, stop looking behind you and say all the things that I have done. Paul did that. He said, I, I forget the things that are behind me. He said, I forget all those things. He was a murderer. He, he caused havoc to the church. Then imagine if he paid attention to that. He would have never wrote 
13 books of the New Testament. He would have never planted churches. He would have never met all those wonderful men and women that we read about in Scripture. Look at Romans chapter number 15. Just a slow slew of names. Just name after name after name. Pastor, I think, preaching, there's a verse that he was using, and, and there was name after name after name. I was reading Romans 15. There was names after names of people that Paul ended up having an influence and having work with, having, having Christian fellowship with, and doing amazing things for the Lord with. Some of them were fellow prisoners and such things. That would have never happened if he pouted and just said, well, I, God can't use me because I killed a bunch of people. He said he forgot the things that were behind him. He saw that God now has given him a time and chance to do his best and reach his potential. I mean, I say this to you, not in, I don't think Paul ever bragged. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He quoted those words. But he then, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I finished the course that God has given me. I've run the race. Christian, I'm asking you, it is not a race against any of us individually. You have your own race to run. How are you doing with the time and chance that God has given you? Because you have it, nobody else. Your life is yours, nobody else. It is a very individual life that you're living. How are you doing with that life? Talent is overrated. Ability is overrated. Did you know men like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant believed that they were not talented? They were not athletic men. But if you saw the discipline of both of these men, and they're etched in history as one of, the, one of the two greatest basketball players that ever played the game, is the time they spent in discipline and habitual practice that they had to shoot the ball in the free throw, run, free throw line so many times in practice that they have put upon themselves. No, when they practice, they're going to get there early, and they said, I'm going to learn how to shoot from this line to that basket this many times each practice, let alone a layup on the right side and a layup on the left side, let alone jump shots, let alone three-point shots. And they attribute their success and their best, not to the talent, but to their fervency and diligence. Let me say this. There's hope for you that are not talented. Work harder. Hard work can make up the difference between talented people and non-talented people. Well, I can't read. Well, you have to do more work. And able for you to read. Well, I can't do that job. You have to take more time and preparation and, and learning that, that, particular, that particular activity. It doesn't stop you because you're not talented. You can learn and work harder at it. Spend more time at it. This is what Kobe Bryant said about Shaq. Shaq O'Neal. Shaquille. Am I saying it right? You know Shaq. Oh, man. He said he is, he is more talented than himself. Kobe said this, because they played in the Lakers. He said he's more talented than me. And he said this. You can quote it so they can get mad on the Shaq, don't, don't sue me. You're not watching anyways. But Kobe said about you, I read, <laughs> that if you would have put harder work, 
you, you would be better than you are today. But, but Shaq was a bit lazy in things because he, he, relate, he, he relied on his talents. You know? And it's easy to rely on talents because it's there. You don't have to do anything. You're born with it at times. You can sing. You've got a beautiful voice. But I know people that couldn't sing and went to voice lesson, voice lesson, and, and they, they sing. They sing beautifully, you know? They sing beautifully. So hard work. Don't underestimate hard work. Put in the time. Put in the time. Have the desire. Have the want. And do it. God says he wants you to do whatever you do with all your might. Do with all your might. Look at Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. I'm moving quickly. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. And so it's another really sounding uh, uh, scripture telling us it's not to the swift is the race. It's not to the strong is the battle. That's what it's saying. It's not about the talent. It's about ordinary people that want to get in with God and say, I'm going to do something extraordinary, not for pride's sake, not for a name, not for, not for, not for, not for a, a plaque, not for a monument, but for the fact that it says in the last verse here, I want to do my best for you, God, and I want to do my best so that I can glorify you because you are worthy of anything that I do good. You're worthy of it. Guys, if we sing the hallelujah chorus at one point in our life here as a, as a, as a church, and we sing it really, really, really good, that's a goal. I've sang the hallelujah chorus two choirs. One in Texas, that there was a lot of good singers that never heard me. Praise God. But I sang the hallelujah chorus. In the Philippines, there's another big church that sang it, and I was able to sing the hallelujah chorus with them. What? I'm like, woo, praise be to the Lord. This is God's, this is God's song, uplifting his name. Hallelujah. If you ever read what it says on that song, it's incredible. Even lost people in the a public school, when they sing it, they stand up during that song. Incredible. Incredible. And, and, and we do it because God is worthy of it. If you sang a beautiful song here, you hit all the notes right, you smile at the right time, and man, you got us. Be very careful where the glory goes. And you just say, I did it simply. I worked hard at it because my God deserved it. My God deserved it. My God deserved it. I'm going to practice before I sing because my God deserves my best. I'm going to prepare my Sunday school lesson because my God deserves my best. I'm going to prepare and be ready for preaching because God is going to about to speak to me through the word of God by the man of God that prepared it, and I need to be ready, and I'm going to be doing it my best. I'm going to minister to those children that I am a part of. I'm going to do it my best. I'm going to be the mother that I need to be. I'm going to do it my best. I'm going to be the husband. I'm going to do it my best. I'm going to, be the, I'm going to do it my best. Get a, get a fire underneath you. Get, a, get, 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 get some passion about you and say, I want to do my best for my Jesus. I want to be the best witness possible this year that I've never been before. 
I'm not in competition with you. And if, and if God gives me opportunity, I lead people to the Lord. I am not going to brag over you. I am not going to make fun of you. I am not going to make you feel bad. Because that's not my goal. That's not my goal. I'm just going to rejoice because, because I want it. I want to be used of God. I, I, I want to have influence when I speak uh, the word of truth. That, that God works in it. God works in it. I'm tired of wasting time. I'm, I'm tired of wasting energy in, of things that doesn't happen and doesn't work. I want to get out of the way. If I need to get out of the way, I need to get out of the way. Let somebody else do it. But we need, we need to want to do our best. Because my God deserves it. Well, they don't deserve it. No, they don't deserve it. But you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for him. Look at the verses here in verse number 24. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You want, you want to know what God loves and what God wants? These words right here, look at it. Loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Those are the things that God delights in. He's interested in these topics. Look at Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Proverbs 22.29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Romans 12.11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. God has given me time and God has given me chance. And I'm going to do my best to not squander the time I have and the opportunities given to me. Because some opportunities don't come again, but one time. And look at verse number 10 again, the four things I want to do and give my might to this year, 2024. I want to work harder. I want to be good in devising, planning, having vision, knowledge. I want to increase my knowledge of things. I want to know American culture better because that will help me in helping you know the word of God. I want to increase my knowledge of you as my flock, as the people that I care for, so that I can impart wisdom and appropriate truth that you need at the time you need it. I want to be timely with my messages. I just want to me preach messages that sound good. I want to be effective messages. I want it to be, you say, wow, I needed that at this time. I want that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm yearning for it. I, I want us to be effective. I'm glad for Pastor Colin, but Pastor Seth, I, I, I appreciate their work in the ministry with me. I, I, they helped me tremendously. What a tremendous asset, these two men, and Brother Frank downstairs and Shannon here. Tremendous asset, and all of you workers, volunteer workers at the church. I want everyone that does anything for the Lord this year to have this mindset and heart. I want to do my best for my Jesus. I want it. I want it. If you're a father, I want you to do your best to be the father. If you're a mother, do your best. And so let's look at number one, work. What does that entail while we're living on earth? Because in the grave where we're going to go, work will cease. Work gives us, number one, purpose. Work gives us purpose. We can only do things on earth according to the will of God. While we're on earth. There's some things we can only do here. 
And one of them was mentioned today. Tell a lost soul about Jesus Christ. That's the only time we could do that is here. This short time we have. This short opportunity and chance we have. We only have it now. And that will go away. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? What am I going to do about it? I'm going to visit people. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going, to, I'm going to go to the fair. I'm going, to, I'm going to knock on the door. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to do something. I'm going to invest my time in somebody else's life. I'm going to ask God for divine opportunities. I'm going to ask God to give me a person to talk to about him. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to immerse myself, and I want it. I want to do better. I want to do my best. Because Jesus deserves my best. Look at John 9 and verses 3 to 5. Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God should be made manifest in him. And that's what I want. I want God to be seen in my circumstance, in my situation, in my life. Verse 4. I must work the work of him that sent me, this is Jesus, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what he said in those verses. Verse 4 is very, very, very true. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I can only parent my children now. These are the kids that God gave me. I'm going to have to parent them. At this point in my life, I have a wife. And she's the wife that I have now. And I know some men at at one point or another, even in this room, that some of you have lost your loved one, your wives, and you have to remarry again. You're in your second wife now. And God's in all of that too. But right now I have Elizabeth. And this is the time and chance that God has given me to be the husband I should be and to be the father that I should be. This is a time and chance. You guys voted me in, not even a year ago, to be the pastor of Faith Bible Baptist Church. This is the time and chance I have, Brother Gallo, at this moment to do my job. And I didn't want to do my best. I appreciate all of you that have done so many things behind the scene, decoration, and some of you have done uh, the charity house cleaning and all, and some of you have, have retired in the sense of that you're taking, a, you're taking a break, and you know why you deserve it, because you've done it for so long. And pastor deserves the rest he's getting now. I really believe that although he's crazy, he's got more, he's got more work now. His wife tells me he's gone more than he was before. But that's up to them. They have to deal with that. But at any rate, uh, some of you that are, are getting in age, find some young people here that are stepping up. They are. Kyle, thank you. I'm, I'm very blessed this year and last year. You're stepping up. Sean and Rachel, uh, I don't want to miss uh, Rebecca and Calvin. I wouldn't want to do what I'm doing without these two people. Erica and uh, Sean. Uh, and there's so many, I don't want to, I'm in trouble when I do that. I love all of you, you guys know that, right? I'm not missing anything. Malachi, you still okay? All right. Number two. Device here speaks of creating something to make life easier or coming up with an invention or doing things like that. I, I, I alliterate it as, as, as planning, having a plan. Do your best in coming up with plans. 
I have a story here in Daniel chapter number 1, in verses 8 to 20. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. It's a story of, of, of Daniel, and there's a couple of men involved in there, the prince of the eunuchs, and then he has a uh, representative that came to Daniel. And there was a situation that Daniel was a Hebrew. He can't eat anything, and so he has a dietary law. But he came out with a, with a diet plan that he pitched to the prince of the eunuch. That came up with planning and thinking. He knew the scripture, but he had to present it. He had to convince the prince of the eunuch to allow him to eat this thing. And so if you read the story, you find that there's some devising happening here with Daniel. And there was planning involved, and he did his best. And at the end, the Bible tells us that the king, when they were presented, saw that they were ten times better. I want to do my best for Jesus. And so in life, there are so many decisions to be made, and they're easily made if you're not rushing to them, and if you plan ahead of time. So learn to plan ahead of time. And in planning, learn to plan well and execute the scripture, the word of God, the principle of the word of God. Learn them so well. So when you're making a decision, you apply scripture with the decision, and it'll help you. And you'll do better. You'll make less mistake when you plan things out. Now, not all your plans go the right way. But God blesses the effort you make when you choose to say, God, I'm going to think about this. Uh, A man that builds a building doesn't do it just to do it. He sits down first and counts the cost before he builds it so that he doesn't look foolish at the end of it. I'm paraphrasing another passage in the New Testament. And so planning, do better planning this year. This year, I'm going to read my Bible. Okay, what's your plan? Well, this year, I want to be a soul winning. What's your plan? Well, I want to pass out at least one gospel track a week. Perfect. When are you going to do it? What day? What time? When? After work? Before work? During work? When? When are you going to do it? Get some planning involved. Get some practicality in your dreams. Somebody said their dreams uh, without plan, it's just a dream. But dream has to find plan, and then it'll become a reality. All right? So think about some of those. Do better at that in planning. Because in the grave, you're not going to plan for a wedding. You're not going to plan for a retirement party. You're not going to plan for nothing in the grave. It's over. This is the time and chance God's given you right now. Do better planning. All right? Okay, number three. Preparation. And it speaks of that, the word knowledge. I guarantee you I'm going to done right by seven. Don't be afraid. I'll, I'll get it there. Some of you have wishes, and I want, to, I want to be nice to you. And a lot of you know. A lot of you know. You guys are so, you guys know. You know what? I love you guys. I love it. I love our family. I love it. I just love it. Look at this. Preparation. 2 Timothy 2.15. You need more knowledge. Guys. Don't think you know everything. Ask questions. If you find somebody making good decision in their life ahead of you, follow it. Ask questions. Hey, I noticed you, you raised, you're raising adult children. How are you doing that? I asked Brother John Aftergrove at one point, hey, do you have anything to do with raising uh, uh, teenagers? I was teasing him. And then he gave me a book. That little loser gave me a book. And it says right on the book, 
How to Raise Teenagers. I'm like, oh, man, now I have to read that. <laughs> Find people to help you. There's so many resources right here in this room. You know why I know that? Because I talked to you. I talked to Brother Mike. I talked to Kelly. I talked to Brother Jeff. I, I talked to Sam at times. Believe it or not, he's got some good advice. He's not all sarcastic. Pastor Cole and Pastor Sen, and, and, and so many more people. My dad, just there's so many. My mom answered a lot of questions. She's uh, HR in block. She's IRS at your doorstep. Second <laughs> Peter 3, 16 and 18. Look at this. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are such things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they also the other scriptures, under their own destruction. Verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before. All right? There's the idea of preparation. Having knowledge before you do something is so important. Guys, in any counseling I do, you know what I do? The very first thing I do. If a problem is presented to me, the very first thing I learn, get all the facts. Get all the facts. And don't make any determination. Don't even hint on a decision. Don't even say what you think until you get everything in the situation to you as much as possible. Then proceed. And you know what? In that preparation time, it seems like a waste of time. People are impatient. Oh, this problem is just keep going. It's escalating. It's getting bad. Wait, I don't know enough. Because if I say something incorrectly, I'm going to make it worse. So let me get everything first, and then I'll get to you. Just be patient. And so it does happen. Preparation, knowledge, is the idea of preparation. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And lastly, number four, we see here wisdom. You can't do wisdom in the grave. It doesn't do you any good at that point. You need to have it now. You can't work. You can't devise. You have no knowledge now and no wisdom if you go in the grave. So while you have time and chance that God has given you to work, to devise, to have knowledge and wisdom, do your best. Do your best. Have purpose. Have plans. And, and have preparation time. And then lastly, all of those doesn't do any good if there's no performance. It's good that you have purpose. A lot of people say, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm built to do. Okay, great. Absolutely wonderful. I'm glad that you feel that about this. When are you going to do it? Well, they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. Right? They've not thought about it to get it to the practical sense. It's all philosophized in the head. But it has no practicality. Any philosophy you have sounds good. But it's even better if we can see it in action. We need to get it to the ground. We need to put it on our feet. And we need to do it. Any kind of plan you have to parent well, that's great in your head. But it needs to be lived in your life. It needs to come to performance. Look at this. Second Timothy, I already done that. Uh, Luke chapter number 6 and 40, 47 to 49. And I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But it says there, <clears throat> Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. And there's the key. I will show you to whom he is like. 
And in the verse in Matthew 7, we know who is like. He's a wise man. Wisdom are exercised by wise men. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. There's no reason for you to have purpose, no reason for you to have a plan, and those who, no reason for you to have preparation of knowledge if you're not <clears throat> going to do anything about it. If you're not going to do nothing about it. Cheap. Oh, I'm saying weird stuff here. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Let me see it. Let me see it in your life. Do your best. Let me lead you uh, uh, a saying here. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily uh, agree with everything. There's probably other principles that will help this, and I explain it, but let me read it to you. It is really helpful. It is the thorough doing of everything which wins commendation. It is the thorough doing of everything which wins commendation. Not the slurring of great things, but the perfections of little things make up excellence. Do a thing well or let it alone. And that's where I don't agree with it. Don't have to be perfect to work with God. But if you remain humble, he will perfect you while you're doing the work. That's what I don't agree on the latter part of that. But what he's saying this is, guys, we're waiting to do something great for God. And if you're going to wait for a big opportunity, it'll never, be, it'll never come. If Michael Jordan aspiration was to be the best player in the world, and he never did the little things right and the hard work of practicing his free throw shooting. I think it was hundreds of times. His layup, hundreds of times. I'm not talking about 20, 30 times that he's doing layup. Hundreds of times, each practice. Hundreds of times that his body has learned. Some of you like that. That's my layup. Or a hook shot. But at any rate, the little things that sometimes to you is little is actually what makes up the big things. We neglect a lot of little things in our Christian life. We really do. We feel like it's not important. But in doing those little things well, over a period of time, make us excellent. Don't neglect the little things. Don't neglect the prayer time. Don't neglect the Bible reading time, the study time, the memorizing time, the soul winning time, the calling of people because they're sick time. There's so much I can put in it. You know, I don't have to tell you. Don't neglect those because uh, we see it, and we're going to watch the bills here pretty soon. And Josh Allen is commented as a guy that is talented. But you know why they don't talk to him as, as great as he could have been? If he had some more what Michael Jordan said. This is my opinion now. Michael Jordan said this. He got the basics of basketball down. He could probably do a jump shot with his eyes closed. And he did those little things well. I'm not saying Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to cheer for him. Make some mistake, I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> but at the same time, if he develops, 
and not rely so much on his talent. And we see that in this year that some of his uh, offensive coordinators are trying to help him with that, right? And it didn't work. But maybe they did it too fast. He has to run. That's something he likes to do. And so it's not typical for a, for a fundamental of a quarterback that you want. But that's what he likes to do. But at any rate, if, if you rest on talent, you know when you watch them. Is it going to be the Josh Allen that comes and becomes a superhero? Or, man, he's going to make a lot of mistakes today. Or rather you want to watch a team that's consistently good because they got some work in and they don't rely on just talent but on some hard work they put in in preparation so that they can execute with more consistency. I don't want to be a, a, a flash-in-the-pan Christian. I don't want to be known just, oh, he was a great guy back then. How about now? How about now? What am I doing now? Well, he was good then when he was a teenager, but man, he fizzled out by the time he was 40. No, I don't want that. I want consistency. I want to last. I want to be faithful, and I want to do my best. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us, we ask. Thank you again for our family here. Thank you for our folks. Help us now as we're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. message tonight. Work for the night is coming. When man's work is o'er. If you can stand with me, let's turn to page 639. Work for the night is coming. That's what Jesus said. There's no work in the grave. Pastor read that tonight to us. Um, Pastor was mentioning uh, this morning, Pastor Seth, that 90 different turning point men have come through the church in the last year. That chance is gone. Chance is gone. All right? It's gone. Um, and so when you see them, you, we need to approach them and see if we can get into the gospel. They're here for such a short time. Ninety last year. Chance to reach them is gone. They went back home. But there's still some coming now. And, and, and I, I stressed that last week, too. We need to take that chance time. Amen. I remember going, God gave me another chance. I just said, I I took it. That's all I did. I got, God gave me one more chance. I took it. And many of you have too. So 